What is most important to you? What is your greatest joy? And what are you most committed to in your life? Whatever that thing is, whatever that is, you will have the desire to connect others to that. The question is, what are you connecting people to the most? More than anything else. You probably notice this about yourself, about other people, but when there's something you love to do, like a hobby or something, you love connecting other people to that thing that you love to do. So whether it's a sport, a video game, shopping, TV, TV show, a restaurant, a book, a gym, or whatever it might be for you, you love connecting people to the things you love to be connected to. Um, there's this movie called Nell, and I'm gonna, I think I got this right, but the story goes like this. It's a, there's a young girl, and she's raised in the wild, like in the wilderness, in the forest, by her mom, and her mom dies, and she's there by herself, and somebody finds her, rescues her, and the thing about her is she's got her own language, but more importantly, she's never tasted a Snickers bar before, and the, one of the people who are helping her know that, and because they've tasted a Snickers bar, and everybody loves Snickers bar. You, you have to love a Snickers bar. You can't really trust someone if they don't love a Snickers bar, and so... And so he wants her to have a Snickers bar, so he gives her one, and she loves it, obviously. Um, here's the thing about a Snickers bar is you can hear about how great it is, how sweet it is, but it's not until you taste it that you really understand how it satisfies you, how it's sweet, and then once you've tasted it, you want other people to taste it. Well, for John, John the Baptist, in our text today, for him, Jesus is like that Snickers bar. And there's nothing sweeter, there's nothing more glorious, there's nothing that satisfies more than him. And so for him, he wants the world to taste him, to know him, to be satisfied by him. And so there's two things that have happened for John. John has realized that Jesus is the greatest joy for humanity. And for John, he is experiencing that joy in Christ and he's also experiencing this want and this desire to connect other people to him. So we're in our last week of this series called Dawn, and we've been discovering and rediscovering the joy of Christ. And we've been seeing his dawning in our life and in the life of the world. And today, today is about the dawning of Christ in the life of our friends, in the life of others. So today, here's how, here's how we're going to think of today. Today is a picture of a wedding. It's a picture of life as a wedding. So I want to read to you our text. It's from John 3, 22 through 36. Here's what it says. After this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing John also was baptizing at Ainon near Salem. Because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, it's talking about Jesus, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. 
John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears his voice rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is from above all. He bears witness to what is seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Here, John is teaching us to see life as a wedding in three ways. We're seeing life as our own walk down the aisle to Christ. We're seeing our friends walk down the aisle to meet Christ. And then we're seeing Christ's own walk down the aisle before us as he's waiting to meet us. So in Jesus' teaching us, John is teaching us that we are the bride of Christ and Christ is the groom. And this language is all throughout scripture, that we would see ourselves, the church, as the bride and Christ as the groom. And then I want to look, so we're looking at our walk down the aisle, and in verse 33, it says that, that the one walking down the aisle is setting his seal that God is true. Now, to set your seal to something is very similar to taking vows, to making vows, making promises. Much like at a wedding, lovers are setting their seal to each other, saying, I am yours and you are mine. And in order to do this, they're using vows and they're using rings. And to set your seal that God is true is to say that God, there's nothing more. I'm walking down the aisle and there's nothing more real and more true than the one I am going to meet. So in Christ, what happens is as you are making your way down the aisle, you meet in Christ the truest form of God. In fact, what's happening is you are meeting God himself at that, the end of your walk down the aisle. And as you walk down this aisle and you get to him, he has some vows for you. And the vows are about an eternal love that not even death can hold you apart from it. Not even death will do you part. But the Bible is also clear about something else, that we sin, that we disobey God, that even when we want to try to obey him, we can't seem to get it right. But, As the bride, Christ has set his seal upon us, and he has some vows for us, and he's saying the greatest words any sinner could hear. So I want to paint a picture for you. You're walking down the aisle, 
and you're making your way down this aisle, and you're thinking to yourself, how is this possible? I mean, this is God himself at the end of this aisle, and he's declaring himself mine and me his. So you're making your way, and you're thinking to yourself, there's no way. This is too good to be true. There's no way that God is really doing this. You think, how could he love me? I must be being tricked. And so you get close to him, you're making your way, and you think, no, i got to make a run for it. So just before you're about to make a run for it, he sees it in your eyes, and you're about to take off running, and he takes you by the hand. And then he pulls you in, and then he has vows for you. And here are his vows to you. He says, no matter what, I am yours. I'm faithful. He's saying, you, there's, I have set my seal upon you, and there's nothing you can do to get away from me. He's saying, you are the apple of my eye. You are my Snickers bar. That's what he's saying. And then secondly, he said, secondly, here's what he's saying. This is to the sinner. This is his second promise. He's saying, there's nothing that you can do or not do that's going to make me love you any more or any less. No matter what your accomplishments are, how great they are, or how small they are, my love for you is constant. It is unconditional. And then the third thing he promises is that not even death will do you part. See, he's really the only one who can say this. In an earthly wedding, we see vows that say, till death do us part. But he's saying not even death will do us part. And he can say this. He's the only one who can say it because he's the one who has power over it, over death. And that is what eternal life means, to be sealed to these promises forever. Now, I've done quite a few weddings, and I have quite a few weddings coming up. And people always cry at weddings. And they cry because of the vows that are being made, because what is happening there at the wedding. And when people want to write their own vows, I always say there's three things that you've got to say. You're going to be faithful to each other for the rest of your lives. Your love is unconditional all the way up until death. Those are the three things. And in fact, if those aren't in the vows, the vows are always pretty lame. And, and the reason, here's the reason, you know why people are crying at weddings? It's because weddings are a shadow of the truest form of that love. Who, which we find in Christ. Weddings are a shadow of Christ's own vows to us. He's promising you he's never going to leave. I mean, this is what he's saying. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm going to love you no matter what. It's unconditional and not even death's going to do us part. And so to walk down this aisle is to walk down and to set your seal that these things are true and Christ is true, and God is true. These words are true for you. And for many of you, you're walking down the aisle, and you're thinking to yourself, this is too good to be true. Or you're thinking, man, this is just a bunch of phony baloney. 
or you're thinking, man, this is just a, a waste. This, is, this cannot be real. There's no way God can love me like this. You're saying, I don't deserve this. But there's another part of you that likes to hear about it. You like to hear about the hope that you have in Christ. You like to hear about the love that God has for you. And more than that, listen, God is not just giving you hope and giving you love. He's saying here, this is real. This isn't fake. This is true. I'm naturally a bit of a skeptical person, and I'm also a bit of a curious person. And I want you to know that, at least for me, I've experienced this kind of love in some real and some meaningful ways. Here's the thing, though. I had to stumble down the aisle for it. I had to come with tons of questions. I came with curiosity. I came with skepticism, but I came and I came asking. I went to go see if he's who he's saying he is. And there were points where I was about to take off running and he grabs me by the hand. And there are other points where I feel like he had to chase me down the aisle because I was running for it. Here's the thing. This walk that we are making towards Christ It's something that we're doing on a constant basis. And we have questions and we have skepticism. That is what this is about. That's why the church exists to help us with our questions, to help us with our own skepticism. But he's saying it's true and it's real. And the difficulty is that you don't really get to experience this love until you finally take the risk and set your seal upon him that it is true, that it is real. And it's the same in marriage. It is a way it's a risk. You're going to make promises, and those promises ring true after your wedding as you're experiencing the reality of them happening. That's the same thing with life. You go to him and you take the risk and then you experience the reality of these truths that he's making to you. You have to go take the risk and feel what it is like. In order to feel this, un, this, this complete faithful love, you have to make the risk. In order to, you have to take the risk in order to experience this unconditional love and this love that not even death will do you part. And so once you have walked down this aisle... And you've experienced this. I mean, this is something you're doing on a regular basis. But once you've walked down the aisle and experienced this, something happens. You get to have a new perspective. The second perspective you get is the perspective of the best man at the wedding. That's John's perspective here, and it can be yours as well. So in your friend's walk down the aisle, once you have felt what it feels like right before you're about to take off running for Jesus to grab your hand, you long for your friends to experience that very same thing. For John the Baptist, it was a joy for him. He says he must decrease so that he can increase. Here's what happens. Once you've finally taken this walk down the aisle and you felt that hand grab you, 
you realize that life is about that one who has grabbed your hand. And that drains you of selfishness. It makes you want to build your life around him. That's what's happened for John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a very selfless person, and he has all these people coming to him, coming to him with questions and coming to him to want to meet God. And you know what John sees life as? He doesn't see life as all of these people coming and walking down the aisle to meet him. He sees everyone coming down the aisle to meet Christ. John is attractive to people, not because of something about him, but because of someone that he has from the one that he has set his seal upon, who is Christ. People are attracted to him because of that. He's selfless because of that. And people who people are attracted to selfless people, especially people who are in need. They see the attractiveness of someone who is selfless. And here's what's happened. John, has he has tasted the Snickers bar, and it's a joy for him to give it to other people. He's sharing in his experience. I want you to know that as a Christian, you are meant to experience both perspectives on an ongoing basis. You're meant to walk down that aisle and hear those vows on a regular basis from Christ. And you're also meant to stand there as the best man like John does, seeing your friends connect to Christ. What happens is, as the best man, you become a bit of a matchmaker here. And the degree to which you have walked down the aisle and felt that embrace and felt him take you by the hand is the degree that you're actually able to connect others to him. The degree that you're connected to Christ is the degree that you can connect others to Christ. And at, at the best man at a wedding. So at weddings, the best man has the best view. The best man gets to see the bride coming down the aisle and gets to see the bride's love for the groom, gets a perfect picture and the best man gets to celebrate everything with the groom the most out of anybody else. Takes a celebratory shot before the wedding. Some weddings do that, I guess. Um, also, also, afterwards, he gives the speech. He's there throwing the, the bachelor party. I mean, he's right in the center of the celebration. He's experiencing, he's experiencing the joy of this love more than anybody else. So here's what it looks like for you to be the best man for somebody. It looks like praying for your friends. Praying to the groom that he and your friends might meet. And it also looks like this. It looks like you desiring to introduce your friends to Christ and who he is and what he's done. You say... I found someone for you. I found your true soulmate. You've had people that you've been chasing after and they keep letting you down. They keep abandoning you. They're leaving you out to dry. Well, you say, well, I found the one that you're meant for, the one that your soul was meant for. It's Christ. He's the real soulmate. I was going to say sorry, but I'm not sorry for that. I mean, he's the real soulmate. He's who you are really after. 
And here's the thing. When he becomes that, you get to celebrate as your friends recognize that too. Every step they make down the aisle, you're celebrating along the way and you're rooting them on. And then you know what? They're walking down the aisle and they look at you, they catch your eye, the best man, and they say, can this really be true? And you say, yeah. Don't stop. Keep going. A lot of times people say to me, I don't know if I really know how to connect people to Christ. And, and that's true for a couple, couple of reasons. For some people, they don't know the words. They, maybe they're new to the faith and they just don't know what to say to people. Here's the other type of person, though, that doesn't know. They've been, actually been a Christian for too long. And they don't think that this being the best man is part of what it means to be a Christian. Actually, what I've found is that the people who are the best at connecting people to Christ are the people who have just become a Christian. And everything's fresh in their mind, and they've got this, the Snickers is like it's still stuck in their teeth, and they're still tasting it. And they're like, man, I got to tell people about this. And so they go to people, and they don't know what to say, but they say, hey, you just got to come, you got to come to church with me. You got to hear what they're talking about, because it's changing me, and I don't really know why, but I'm being changed by it, and I'm being connected to it. That's the first type of person. The second type of person who is someone who really does see themselves like John the Baptist. They see themselves as a best man. And they take very seriously the spiritual condition of their friends. Those are the people, those are, and here's the common factor between these two types of people they're constantly walking the aisle. And they're constantly reminding themselves of the vows. They're, they're making it real to him. They're, they're opening up scripture and they're, they're seeing, wow, this really is what Jesus says about me. This is really what he has done for me. And it becomes real and fresh and new for them all of the time. So you hear that and you say, man, I want to do that. I want to feel that love all the time. I want to know that I am treasured by God all of the time. And I want to feel what it feels like to connect my friends to Christ. I want to feel what it's like. And here's the thing. Here's how you do it. By looking every day, by looking often, by walking that aisle yourself every day, right up to Christ and hearing the vows he has for you. It's hearing that. But here's what you got to do first. You've got to see his own walk down the aisle. See, he's there waiting for you. But you've got to see, you've got to take a look, you've got to do a rewind, go back in time and look at what he has done to walk down that aisle. And in Christ's walk down the aisle, it starts like this it starts in heaven starts in his home, and he leaves his home to come and get and rescue his bride. It's the start of the process of him wooing her. See, the bride's already rejected him. The bride's already turned away. The bride has other lovers and the bride has other lovers who have let her down, who have rejected her, who have made her feel like nothing, who have abandoned her, left her feeling broken, used and abused. And really, guys, that's what sin is. 
Every time we sin, it is a rejection of this true soulmate, and it's a turning to other loves. And this could be any type of love. You're walking down this aisle to other lovers, and this could be anything. This could be your job. This could be your family. This could be your spouse. This could be your career. This could be your image. Whatever is number one in your life, that's what you're walking down the aisle towards. But the good news is that he is persistent and he is relentless in his love and in his pursuit of you. In fact, he is so persistent and so relentless that through it, we find the greatest love story ever told where we see God himself come for his bride. And it's in giving his life for his bride that he actually woos her. And more than that, he purifies her of the stench of all of her false lovers. So here's how he does it. Here's his trip down the aisle. Down his aisle, he was mocked. He was rejected. He was spit on. He was whipped. He was given this crown of thorns. And also down that aisle, he carried the cross. And he carried it all the way for his bride. The instrument that he would use to woo his bride was the cross. And he carries it down the aisle and he drops it at the end. And then his bride nails him to it and lifts him up. And he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing right now. The bride does not know what she's doing. And then death takes him. But he's given you three promises. Those promises are, I'm not leaving you no matter what. I'm loving you unconditionally no matter what. And not even death is going to do us part. And so, oh, this, this clapping is happening. You guys are doing it. So it's not over yet, though. So then death has taken him, and he breaks through it. And here's the thing. If you're standing there, and the person that you have just killed has just broken through death, you're going to take off running. So right before you get away, he grabs you, and he pulls you in, and he reminds you of those vows. And he says, my love is true, and it is real, and it's not going anywhere. I'm faithful. My love is unconditional, and not even death is going to do us part. He's saying, I've set my seal upon you. Now set your seal upon me. He says, come to me, run to me, run down that aisle. And when I grab you by the hand, don't fight me on it. Listen to my words to you because they're true and they're real. He says, I'm yours, now have me, take me. Let's pray. God, what a grace it is 
that you take us at the end of the aisle. That though we deserve wrath, you give us love. God, help us not to run from you. Not to run from you into wrath, but to run to you into love. God, teach us. Teach us how to love each other. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.